This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, just a, I'll try to make it quick. Update on the car. Uh, we we have it back. There. Uh, was that quick enough? No, I'll, I'll give you more details. It last show we had no idea what was wrong with it. We just know that it had stalled on me while I was driving the on, on that Tuesday beforehand. But it had been sitting at the car dealership because they were super busy with, uh, I guess there's a recall or something going on, and they're just super busy. So <clears throat> I hadn't heard, th- heard anything as of that Friday, last Friday. And so the, the, the weekend comes across, and into the next week, uh, I think I called on t- Monday and they didn't know. And I talked to somebody, you know, just they didn't know. And they says, yeah, okay. Uh, and I called back on Wednesday. And I was told, well, the, the guy that's in charge of the service shop, he's been on vacation. Great. And I, the person I talked to said, uh, wait a minute, we talked last week. Uh, last Wednesday, you, you brought that in, didn't you? And I said, well, yeah, I was there last Wednesday. And... She said, huh, I'm going to see what I can do to find out for you. And I didn't hear from, her, from this person the rest of the day. Uh, it was the next day that I finally hear from the guy that's in charge of the service department, or at least the guy that was in charge of my you know, car you know, in the service department. And he called and he said, I'm really sorry, I've been on vacation. He said, has anybody gotten back to you about what's going on with your car? And I said, no, I, I still don't know. He said, well, here's the deal. They did find a structural problem that had nothing to do with it stalling. Uh, there's a ball joint that needed replacing, and I said, boy, you know, I noticed that the car just creaks like a son of a gun. Does that, do you think that might be it? And he says, it might be. He says, I don't know for sure, but it, yeah. And that was like 250 bucks to fix that. So I said, well, okay, let's fix that. Um, and then he said, all right, now the, the well, here's the thing. Here's the deal. Uh, the battery in your car is completely dead. We can't charge it. It's dead. So he, he said we had to put a replacement battery in, a temporary, so they could get to see if the car would start and see if it would run and to see if the check engine light would come on, which it didn't. And then he said the, the problem with the battery going completely dead 
was that all the all the computer codes when the temporary battery was put on all the computer codes had, had uh, been cleared so they they couldn't hook it up to the scope of the computer to find out what error messages were being sent why the check engine light came on as i was driving to one building and the car just wouldn't get into gear it just wouldn't it just didn't want to go and it stalled out on me actually it, it went into limp mode powered down and i pulled off the side of the road and i stopped the car turned off the engine so he says it's you know we don't know but it needs a new battery so we can do a new battery and uh plus with you know with a cost to do the diagnostic that be an additional to the 250 an additional 350 bucks or so so we were looking at about $600. Well, I said, okay, you know, that's what you got to do. And he says, now we want to keep it overnight so we can keep doing little test drives with the car to see if we can get the check engine light to come on so we can see what's going on. Well, went overnight. Uh, the next day, you know, the, the, which would be today, as I record this on a Friday, um, I called back to the dealership at about two o'clock this afternoon I said well I talked to the guy and he says oh okay well we took care of the ball joint thing we put in a new battery you know and we've been test driving it and it just the check engine light will not go on he says I want to send have my guy take it out for another test drive right now and just see you know give it another chance to see if that check engine light will come on he says it's running Seems to be doing okay, but you know, want to find out. And I say, he says, uh, so as soon as he gets back, I'll call you back and we'll just see. Because if it's if it's okay, you know, if, if the check engine light doesn't come on, we'll then come in and pick it up. Uh, and so then he did call me back and he said, yeah, the check engine light's not going on. And I, so he said, uh, you can come in and pick it up. Uh, the price was about seventy bucks less than what I was estimating. And so then I said, well, that's, that's okay. And I, so I said, uh, so what should I do if the check engine like does come on again? And he said, um, call me. Because I said, should I bring it in? Just bring it in. He says, no, give me a call. And he gave me a number to that, that I can call. So we'll see. We'll see if the problem is done. But there's one thing I did find out. Because I asked him about the, the battery. I bought a new battery for that car. In it, just this last fall, like October, November, somewhere in there, I bought a new battery. Went out to an AutoZone guy, you know, told him the kind of car I've got. He went out, took a look, and then he comes in and he, you know, uh, finds the battery, brings it out, installs the battery, and everything. He says, I watched him. I said, okay, great. And so I, I, I asked uh, the, the dealership guy, I asked him. I said, you know, that battery he put in, that the AutoZone put in there, just was a bit smaller than the battery that had been in there. I said, did you put in that same kind of battery? And he said, we installed the battery that is supposed to be in that car. <laughs> Which is what I figured they'd do, because they're the dealership, they would know, right? It's Kia Soul is a car that they sell. They would, they would know what kind of battery you should have. So it's like, we put in the exact kind of battery that should be in that car. So it, is the problem all due to a bad battery? I, I don't know. And we still don't know. 
So what we're going to find out, if the check engine light comes on, because <laughs> I'm going to drive it tomorrow. Uh, uh, the company van is now back at the office where it's supposed to be. And I, I will, I, I'm going to the comic book store tomorrow morning, and then I'm going to... Uh, then the family we're going to come back, and then we're going to go to uh, my my brother-in-law's place. To you know, we were supposed to go last week, but we didn't have a car. Uh, the van only has two seats, so there's three of us. We have three seats. We need more than two in the van. So um, anyway, we'll see what might happen. I don't know. Is it repaired? Is there not going to be a problem anymore? Although I'll tell you that creaking sound seems to have been dealt with, and the little clunk I, we get a little clunk when we turn over a bump of, turning a certain direction we get a little clunk and i think that was the loose uh, 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 uh ball joint that was i think that's what that was so maybe that's been taken care of but we'll see what happens if it's if it if that check engine light comes on again i'm telling you all right <clears throat> i'm gonna do a little table setting as it were, this little conversation I'm going to have here. Uh, I'm going to take you on a, a little bit of a journey because of what I'm heading to something that, well, the thing that is generally my, the signature se uh, uh, segment of Dimland Radio. I'm headed toward that, but I have to set the table, and this is, might take a little time, so bear with me here. <clears throat> This is a musical journey kind of thing, and it deals with uh, the whole idea of selling out in, in pop music and rock music. Now, in the 1960s and 70s, uh, rock, uh, pop and rock artists had this strain of uh, believing that music is art, which it is. They are correct that it's art. Pete Townsend had said, at about the time they released um, their album Sellout, The Who Sellout, he was talking about music and he said it was crucial that it remain art. And uh, I believe that's what he was somewhat talking about uh, their album Sellout, which was an idea, uh, it's a concept album, I think I've talked about in the past, where uh, the, it, it is, it's as though you turn down a radio station one of the pirate radio stations that they had in the UK at the time that would be these little ships that would be out in the in the in the ocean surrounding you know the water surrounding the the island of uh, of, of of Great Britain and uh, they'd be just outside of UK waters so that the, the rules of broadcasting didn't affect them and they would they would broadcast their signal in toward you know England and uh, people could listen to the kind of music they wanted to listen to that the that the official British radio stations weren't playing, uh, and they were, it was the pirate radio stations were very important to the uh, to the popularity of a lot of early bands in the '60s and such. And um, so, the Who did this album called Sellout, where they would do, you know, they would have little commercials in between songs. Some of the songs themselves were commercials. Uh, and they, they even had an early idea was let's sell time on the album to actual companies, to Coca-Cola. Hey, Coca-Cola, would you sponsor our album? We'll put an ad uh, for Coca-Cola on our album. They'd already done one, The Who, 
They'd already done one that was played in movie theaters in the UK, where they sing this this song, you know, th- you know, things go better with Coke or something like that. And it's, and so Coca Cola or the companies like that said, well, that sounds like a good idea. How many albums do you expect to sell? Oh, we think we might sell a hundred thousand. And they said, nah, no thanks. <laughs> That's not that big. You know, they they wanted a bigger bang for their buck apparently. But they but the Who did manage to get some kind of stuff uh, where they would maybe get some musical instruments out of it or or you know something like that um but there was this there was this generation or two within rock and roll that said there's you know we're not here to sell products you know we're here to sell our music our albums our singles our concerts you know that's what we're here to sell we're not here to sell for corporations, we're not here for the man. We're gonna stick it to him. We're not. That, that's not what we're about, man. You know, that's that kind of thing. And there was this whole attitude that they had for a long ass time. <laughs> um, it would go into into the '80s. There would be this this pushback into the idea of selling out. Uh, there was uh, uh, Neil Young. Was was really, really against the idea of using not just his songs, but any you know any musical artist using their music or using themselves to sell a product. Uh, he just he just thought it was terrible. In fact, he wrote a song called "This Notes for You," in which he. Uh, calls out, you know, he says, I ain't singing for Pepsi and I ain't singing for Coke. And if you watch the video, which I'll link to on the show notes page, just go to dimland.com, click on the show notes slash blog option and you'll get to it. I'll link to the video. In the video, he calls out uh, Michael Jackson, who did advertising for for Pepsi, and Whitney Houston, who did advertising for Coke. And it's not really them. There's, there's lookalikes that are performing in the video. And he's just really... Um, He's really putting it to him. He's not gonna, and he's he's not gonna sing for Spuds, you know. And it's, they show Spuds McKenzie. It's all this stuff in the in the ad where it's just like this, this note, this note, this notes for you. And he's just this really against this idea of doing that. He was upset with his contemporaries by this time because some of them were letting their music go into ads. And he was super upset when his own band that he was a part of, Crosby, Sta- uh, Crosby Stills, Nash & Young, had their song Our House in an ad that I think was selling breakfast sausage. And I believe, it, I thought it might have been Graham Nash, and it might have been, uh, but it could have been David Crosby on uh, Bob Costas's show later that would come on after letterman it would be a little half hour interview show i've talked about that show in the past and he it was either graham nash or david crosby that was on and they were talking about how upset neil young was when their song our house was used in an ad and i as i recall i don't know which one it was but as i recall their excuse was that well uh well it's not uh, it's not our version of the song it's 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 a cover it's it's not you know and i don't think that made neil happy about it um and then there was a, a kind of a uh well as i should say that this the generations or so that followed these this these 60s and 70s artists 
There was a generation that came like, well, Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. You know, Jackson was a 70s artist, but, you know, 80s was really his time. And Whitney Houston, they didn't seem to have as much of a problem with being an ad selling product and stuff like that. Uh, and 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 to, I suppose truth to be told, throughout pop history, there's always been artists that have been willing to do advertising or you know be, you know, it's, it's just part of the game, I guess. But this particular the set of like these hippies, uh, whatever you want to call them, they just just did not they just not did not want to be part of that world, and they didn't want their their art to be co-opted. But you had Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. They didn't. They didn't seem to mind. And 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 then I think later, like like Moby, the artist Moby, when he started producing music, which he just created all himself in his little studio apartment in New York or whatever it was, he would create this music and he would put it out and he would make it available for licensing. You want to put one of my songs in in your commercial? Fine, pay me. You know he had no problem because he wanted to make a living making music and it sort of it, it, the way to make money on music just became less and less and less i mean the days of having your own jet airliner like led zeppelin did those are coming to an end they didn't have that kind of big bucks where they sold lots of records and 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 concert tickets back then were ridiculously low when you compare to what they are now and i even look for, you know comparing for inflation when i would go to first avenue in the 80s I might pay five bucks for a concert ticket, and I did a little calculation, you know, uh, inflation calculator, and that's like twelve fifty now. But to go to a concert at First Avenue these days, it's like thirty bucks, thirty-five bucks, or more. And there might be some that go under, might be twenty bucks or something. But, but really, it's just it's 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 blown past inflation. But part of the reason for that is because these musical artists they can't make any money selling records because of streaming and all this other stuff so what they have they're the thing that they have to be able to sell is their themselves in concert and licensing for their music they show up in the as the theme songs for television shows they show up in in you know in commercials so <clears throat> We, uh, it's, so they started. So the the group that you know that that generation that really didn't like it would be you know would be that that you know that sixties into the seventies group of, of musicians. And there was this this watershed moment. I think it happened in something like nineteen eighty six. Huge controversy. The Beatles song "Revolution" was used to sell Nike shoes. Used to sell Nikes. And it was a huge, it was huge. Uh, this was big. And the Beatles even sued because of the song had been used. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael Jackson owned the rights to the catalog of the Beatles stuff. So that, you know, it's, it's just, it was a thing. I'll link to all this kind of stuff so you can read about it. So, you know, so... So, it's, so then more and more... You know, of the actual songs, not soundalikes, not covers, not versions recorded for the ads, but the actual songs started to show up in the ads. Uh, I'm going to take my first break, uh, and and I'll get back to this this little table setting journey before I get to uh, 
the thing I want to get to. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return. Have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where English is not necessarily the first language? Or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre Europe-related facts, events or people from history of skepticism? Or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately? You can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show The ESP, the, the European, European Skeptics, Skeptics Podcast. Podcast. So, where can people find the show? You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The, the real ESP experience. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm talking about this idea of selling out in music and all that and how uh, it, it got such a bad uh, rep. All right, so uh, left off at the Beatles song, Revolution was in a Nike's ad. And the Beatles, the surviving Beatles, weren't happy about it. Paul McCartney wasn't happy about it. He appeared on Bob Costas's later show, talked about how he didn't like that. Uh, he also talked about um, uh, there was a uh, Bob showed him a print ad in a magazine uh, that had some you know graphic art done on it where it's uh, like coffee rings and the, and the coffee rings were done in the shape of, uh, of the the uh, the kinds of glasses that John Lennon used to wear uh, and and it was for I think Maxwell House coffee and they had the they had the uh, they were quoting the ad was quoting lyrics from the song A Day in the Life. Something like, you know, got up, got out of bed, grid comb, crossed my head, made my way downstairs and had a cup. 
you know, it's like drink coffee or whatever. So Paul McCartney sees this and he hadn't seen it before, and he says, "Well, uh, I wrote those lyrics." <laughs> Uh, the, the other, you know, the uh, that song, if you know it, it's like the beginning and the, the ending of the song. Uh, John Lennon wrote the lyrics. And the middle part of the song, Paul wrote the lyrics. So Paul points out, he says, you know, those lyrics that are there in the ad, he says, I wrote those lyrics. And he says, I don't like this. And essentially, he says, I don't like that this is done. The guy who wrote this song, or at least this part of the song that's being quoted, doesn't like this, doesn't like it being used in advertising. So the Beatles sued Nike or whatever for for using the the song, and Nike said, "Well, we paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the licensing. I would so I'll link to the article. You can see how it all went. But the 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 Beatles had this lawyer named uh, Leonard Marks, and he said this: he said the Beatles' position is that they don't sing jingles to peddle sneakers, beer, pantyhose, or anything else. Their position is that." They wrote and recorded these songs as artists and not as pitchmen for any product. So, so that's that whole attitude was right there. Now, it did change. I was saying, as it changed, as this attitude is ways to make money from your music because there started to be less ways to do so. And then they came across this uh, 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 opinion uh, piece uh, done in video by Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins uh, was a member of the band Black Flag, hardcore band from the 1980s, out of California, I believe. And he, and then he went on to form his own band called Henry Rollins Band. Uh, he's an actor, a spoken word artist, uh, you know, does all kinds of stuff. And he did a little two-minute talk about selling out. And I'll, I'll quote some of it here because the way because. Um, it started to happen that the music that, that I liked, you know, and I went to art school starting in 19, fall of 1983, and I started getting into what would be considered the 80s alternative. Might not have been called that at the time, but it's the punk rock stuff and post-punk and all this other, you know, the stuff that's not getting played on the radio, but it's just as good or better than the stuff that's getting played on the radio, I thought, still kind of do. I was a bit of a snob back then. I still am, I guess, a little bit. But, you know, su suddenly, uh, a song like, uh, the, like a, the Ramones' Blitzkrieg Bop shows up in an ad for Bud Light in 1991, I guess it was. Now, I don't know... Uh, if that's the first case of something like that happening, but boy, my I, I, when I I remember seeing that ad and I said, "That's a Ramones song. They're using a Ramones song." And what that meant to me was, I thought about it later. I says, "Oh, you know what that means? That means the 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 men and women that were creative and into that kind of music, uh, you know, that just were maybe just a little bit older than me, are now in the field of." They're, they're, they're growing up and getting into the field of advertising, some of them, and they're bringing their musical taste with them. So now we're seeing Ramones show up. We're seeing this kind of stuff happen in, 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 in the music there, or in the ads. And so Henry Rollins is talking about this particular part, and he's addressing uh, the, the, the fans of that music being very disappointed and upset that these guys have sold out. And he says, uh, he says this, I understand their anger and sense of loss as they figure yet another one 
of their uh, well-kept secrets has just become part of the corporate structure. And the band is nothing more than the lapdogs of the man. The very man they were supposed to be sticking it to in every waking moment. Rollins goes on to say, Selling out is making the record you're told to make instead of the one you want to make. And he makes the point that these artists that people are so upset, these alternative artists that are now showing up in their music, showing up in ads, they're so upset about that. He says, you know how he, he, he tells those people how much work these guys had to do to get this music made. And now years later, they're seeing some money from it. Hell yeah, they should get paid for it. <laughs> so, and I, I would like to say to Henry Rollins, after, after his talk, I said, you know, I agree with everything you said there. Absolutely. But you know, you do know why this this whole sellout thing became a thing. And that's because of that generation of musical artists from the 60s and 70s had this big deal about selling out. They, they you know, what the Beatles, what their lawyer said about not being pitchmen. It's all that. That sowed the seeds. So the fans of this other music or any kind of music... They see that and they think, well, you know, they have that music is supposed to be art and it's not supposed to be selling stuff. And it's bullshit. <laughs> it's just, you know, let them make some money. Damn it, they got to make some money. They got to earn a living. So, with the table set, I can finally get to, to this. Now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, what I've got is um, songs being used in ads that I've seen, t television commercials that I've seen, and I think, do they know the lyrics to that song? When I think about the product being sold, do they know what they're saying in the song? Because I do. And I'll start with a, a, a mainstream one as an example. Uh, this is a fairly current one, I think, that's it's still going on. It's got Rashida Jones in the ad. Uh, it's for Expedia. And um, it uses the song by Eric Carmen from the, from the 70s, uh, called All By Myself, which the line to the song is, All by myself, don't want to be all by myself. And the Expedia ad, the, there's a shorter version of it that would show up, and I'd be watching a ball game, and this ad would come on, and I'd, I'd be hearing the song, and it's a re-recorded version of the song, where the, the, the person who sings it, who I think is Rashida Jones, because she can sing, so she might be actually doing the singing. In fact, in the longer version of the ad, when she comes in, she actually lip-syncs to the song that's being used in the ad. And the ad, Expedia is a you know online travel agency thing, and they, they're, they're showing this other young woman. She's trying to figure out how to travel to some place, and she's just hitting brick walls everywhere she goes, and she's upset. And the song, All By Yourself, comes on, and the idea is, I guess, it took me a little bit, I'm slow, to figure it. It says, oh, Expedia will keep you from having to be all by yourself while you're trying to book a vacation. And Rashida comes into the ad and she says, you know, I got this or I, I can help you or whatever she says. And that's 
No, you can hear the uh, firecrackers because we're getting close to the fourth. It's got to happen. Firecrackers, it's got to happen. If you could hear them, that's what's going on. Anyway, but when the, the shorter ad of that plays, when it gets to the line, don't want to be, it sort of gets talked over, and and my old ears, I wasn't quite hearing what they're saying. So I was just going along with the song and said, okay, they're saying, all by yourself, don't want to be. You know, I should probably do these things in a closet or something, soundproof. <laughs> hear these cars come by. Well, that's what you get when you get an amateur podcaster like me. <laughs> you get a car come by every now and then. All right. Um, anyway, it's. I just think it's like, that doesn't seem to fit. Don't want to be. Well, they changed that lyric as well. In the longer ad, it's don't have to be all by yourself. So then I thought, okay, I think I get it. They're just saying, you don't have to book all these vacation things all by yourself. Come to Expedia, and we'll help you get the flight and the room and the stuff and whatever. So, okay, okay. So then, it, you know, okay, I guess it makes a little sense. But then I got another one to talk about. I got a couple others. So, sometime after the Ramones song, Blitzkrieg Bop, shows up in a Bud Light ad, a Buzzcocks song shows up in an ad for, I think it was a, a, a Nissan vehicle, like the Pathfinder or something. I think it might have been that. I could not find the ad. I couldn't find it. But I have a distinct memory of it, watching it and hearing the song, What Do I Get? As And they're, so they're playing the music and they're putting, you know, you can I don't know if you, you hear them say, What Do I Get? And it's the actual song. It's not a sound-alike. It's not a cover. And it's used to be selling. It's used to sell these these vehicles, and I thought, what? Is this? what? what? <laughs> do you, but then I thought, do you know? Do they know what the lyrics of that song are? Because I'll give you just a hint of it. <laughs> I just want a lover like any other. What do I get? I only want a friend who will stay to the end. What do I get? 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 Uh, I'm in distress. I need a caress. What do I get? Uh, I'm not on the make. I just need a break. What do I get? What do I get? What do I get? I only get sleepless nights here alone in my half-empty bed. For you, things seem to turn out right. I wish it only happened to me instead. This is, is selling a car. What do I get? This is lovelorn, sexually frustrated. He just wants somebody in his life. <laughs> and this is for a car. It's just a... Is, is that is that the you know, sure most of the squares watching the ad have no idea what the lyrics to the song are, but I'm cool and I do know the lyrics to the song. So there's another one, and I know I talked about this at the time that this came out. I talked about it on the show. This was some years ago now. There was a uh, there was a, the Xbox Connect. It's some kind of uh, you know video game thing which you can jump up and down and run around in your house while the while you play the video game. It's part of what you do, I guess. And I, it was on late night. It was back when Craig Ferguson was still doing the uh, the late late show in those days, and I would, you know, it's back in that in those days, and I really liked Craig Ferguson. And I was, it got to an ad break, and this this song comes on, and it has a very you know, it's it's by Gang of Four, and it's called Naturals Not in It, and it has a Gang of Four had a very recognizable sound, especially their first couple albums. They just just, just this choppy angular uh, rhythm guitar 
just bam, 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 bam. And I was like, I know that. And there's this great drum bit that comes in after that. And it's just, it's like, that's Gang of Four. Gang of Four is being used to sell a product? What? 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 These socialists <laughs> are being used to sell a product? And so I thought, again, as I'm looking at it now, do they know? Do they advertise? Do they know what the lyrics are? Here's some of the lyrics for that song: "The problem of leisure, what to do for pleasure, ideal love, a new purchase, uh, a market of the senses, dream of the perfect life, economic circumstances, the body is good business, sell out, maintain the interest, remember Lot's wife, renounce all sin and vice, dream of the perfect life. This heaven gives me migraine. It's a migraine, but they say migraine." It says, is this what you want to use to sell the, this, this product? I don't think the words get in there, but they might have the, the problem of leisure, what to do for pleasure. That might have been what they were thinking. Or are these advertisers, these, these people putting in the songs, are they, are they secretly being subversive? Again, the squares don't know the song's lyrics, but I do. And there's one last one. And this is the most recent one. And I see this online when you're watching YouTube and YouTube forces you to watch commercials because uh, they want you to pay for it. And I don't want to pay for it. So you got to sit there and you got to watch for the damn commercial. And they got to know that anytime they give you the option to skip the ad, boom, everybody's skipping that ad. Nobody sits through the whole thing unless they're tied down to their chair or something. So it's for Tiffany & Co., that's the jewelry, the, the, the prestigious jewelry company, Tiffany. And so it's a brief ad, and you hear the music. It's, it's Gang of Four again. Another ad for Gang of Four. <laughs> so it's Gang of Four again, and this time it's their song, Damaged Goods. And so they, 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 they mix it so that you hear the choppy guitar kind of bang. You know, it's really great. It's really great. And then uh, uh, you get the uh, lead singer, John King, you get to hear his vocal where he says, uh, uh, sometimes I'm thinking that I love you. All right, and that's where they end it. And I, and it's a quick ad, and, I, and that's pretty much where it ends on. You get the bit of the music, and you get the part where he says, sometimes I'm thinking that I love you, and then it ends. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I said, I know the next line. The next line is, but I know it's only lust. Is that the message that Tiffany's going for? Yeah, it's here's some here's some lyrics. The change will do you good. I always knew it would. Sometimes I'm thinking that I love you, but I know it's only lust. Your kiss so sweet, your sweat so sour. Um, the sins of flesh are simply sins of lust. Heated couplings in the sun, colder couplings in the night. Uh, let's see, I'm, I'm skipping some. Uh, sometimes I'm thinking that I love you, but I know it's only lust. The change will do you good. I always knew it would. Damaged goods, send them back. I can't work. I can't achieve. Send me back. Open the till. Give me the change you said would do me good. Refund the cost. You said you're cheap, but you're too much. <laughs> Is it a subversive thing to put a song that has that kind of lyrics in a jewelry ad? <laughs> so, yeah, that's my pedantic moment. <laughs> it's just, do they know the lyrics? All right, I, I'm going to go to my next uh, break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, this song 
could be used in an ad. Be a great ad too. Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. We're the station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, let's talk about COVID. <laughs> um, we here in the United States are seeing uh, an easing of the pandemic. That it's, you know, it seems that we're, we're at levels that we were at in, I think, March uh, 2020. Um, you know, levels of cases that are coming and, you know, deaths and such still happening COVID's still out there but because of the uh the vaccines rolling out maybe the warmer weather helping but uh it's just with the vaccines rolling out i think is the biggest part of it uh we're seeing you know we're seeing some results now we're not at herd immunity yet as far as uh the vaccinations go but maybe if you combine that with the people who have caught COVID, I haven't seen any kind of uh, study there where they're saying, well, those that had COVID might have some immunity. They're not sure how long that immunity lasts. Uh, from what I understand about the vaccine is that uh, they, it seems to be uh, uh, longer lasting than they were thinking at first, so maybe there won't be need of a booster come you know, uh, next, next fall, winter, maybe. Uh, we'll see. But there still are other variants going around. There's this Delta variant, which is apparently uh, a bit more contagious. Uh, but but people who have been vaccinated are protected against that. So again, I'm going to be pushing you to get vaccinated. If you haven't been, get vaccinated. And here's a here's a a, a, a story. This is off of CNN. I'll link to it on the show notes. This is a story out of Florida. 
know, what can I say? <laughs> it's a story out of Florida. Um, uh, I'm going to just read the story. Uh, officials in Manatee County, Florida, were able to identify the patient zero in a recent outbreak of the coronavirus that swept through a government building and left two employees dead and several hospitalized, all of whom were, can you guess, can you guess, class, anybody have a guess what all of them were? They were all unvaccinated. Officials learned through contact tracing that the patient, an employee in the IT department, was infected by an unknown contact. Manatee County Administrator Scott Hopes said during a virtual news conference on Wednesday. The virus spread to four co-workers in the department who were unvaccinated and unmasked. Well, we don't have to wear masks anymore. We said we don't have to wear masks anymore because, you know, the CDC said it. We don't have to. No, the CDD, CDC said if you're vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks anymore. No, no, no. They just said you don't have to wear masks anymore. No, that's what you heard. That's not what they said. you got to be fully vaccinated. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to get vaccinated either. Okay. Continuing in the uh, article. But another co-worker who had direct contact and exposure to patient zero was not infected because he was vaccinated. There was one person in this group of people in this department that didn't get the COVID. He was the one that was vaccinated. Now that individual, returning to the article, a 23-year-old in the IT department got vaccinated as soon as Florida's eligibility uh, allowed, uh, said Hopes. This is this uh, this is Scott Hopes, this administrator. He's also this, and Scott Hopes is also an uh, epidemiologist, so he has a certain amount of expertise when it comes to infectious disease. The, uh, see, a coronavirus outbreak hit Florida government building. Two people are dead, but a vaccinated employee wasn't infected. That vaccine, I believe, not only saved him, but it appears that because he was vaccinated and he was sort of the next individual in line in the timeline, that the outbreak in IT stopped. Now, this is what this hopes, he, he believes that that's possibly what happened. So when the virus got to the guy that was vaccinated, it stopped spreading, I guess. I'm not sure how that works, but I guess. Uh, it, because it ran up against an uh, uh, vaccinated individual. Another individual who works on the same floor but not in the same office as the group tested positive on June 13. Uh, that case is believed to be an outlier and not related to the original outbreak. No employees are hospitalized any longer and some have returned to work. Um, the county office reopened on Monday and encouraged but didn't require those who are unvaccinated to wear masks. The county is also hosting an open drive-through vaccination clinic on Friday uh, in the alley behind the county building. Though limited to just a handful of people, the outbreak in Manatee County illuminates the ongoing risks of COVID-19 for unvaccinated pockets of people. Manatee County like many across the country, repealed mask restrictions in public health buildings last month. 
these types of losses are preventable, Hopes told CNN's uh, Aaron Burnett on Wednesday night. The vaccine works. Life is too precious. Two people died. Well, I don't want to wear a mask. We shouldn't have to wear a mask. You shouldn't be making us wear a mask. We, you know, and we don't have to get vaccinated. I, I know I shouldn't do that. That's that's being not, you know, fair to them. I guess. I just, you know, the appeal that I keep making is get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. We need to get to herd immunity. Uh, we're, we're just going to have these pop-ups and, 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 and this lingering thing going on here. We're getting back to normal. I mean, I've started going to stores and not wearing a mask. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It's, it's a little... I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just how I feel going into the place. I, you know, do most of the employees have masks on? And then I, maybe I'll wear a mask. It's just... I don't know. It's... Uh, I don't know. I, I, okay. Let's not end on that. Let's not end on. But still, get vaccinated. Let's uh, let's end on something that's uh, that's been going on recently. I'm going to do more reading. <laughs> it's been going on recently. Uh, and uh, and and it's in the comic book world. Uh, I I work for a comic book store. Um, uh, uh, Saturdays I'm actually physically in the store. Uh, the rest of the week I'll do uh, um, entering of product onto our online catalog and that kind of thing. And then on Saturdays I go in, I put stuff on shelves, I, I, I've been doing some inventorying lately. Uh, so we're just, you know, that's what I do. And there's a fellow that I work with at the store. His name is Joe. Joe has a PhD in chemistry. He really, He is a doctor. A PhD. Scientist. Younger than me. I'm telling you, these kids today. Uh, but he, uh, he's been doing some work for us, and he, uh, and he, he tells me about stuff that's going on in comic books and sales and that kind of, you know, what, what's going on, you know, why the values and all that kind of stuff. Because he, he, he pays close attention. He's also somebody who will work to restore comic books, uh, uh, you know, and he does some nice work. He's offered to, you know, do a few books for me for no, you know, for nothing. He says, I'll do a few books for you if you want me to. And so I might have to pick out a few of my higher value ones and see if maybe he can, you know, do a little work his magic with them. And, it, I mean, the stuff he does is pretty good, but I, I won't go into that deeply. But he's been saying to me over the last couple few months that, and, and this is how he puts it, people are spending stupid money on comics. Just, just, just huge amounts of money now. It's just they're just buying and buying. This, our store itself has been selling stuff, been doing pretty well in sales, and the and and we're and we hadn't been open. I mean, we do the online stuff, mail-in stuff. You can make an appointment at the store and come in and take a look at stuff, or you know, come and pick up your your, your books that you ordered online. But you know, it's just been going crazy, and not only. The comic books, but the original art, which is something that's becoming—it's already rare. There's already one of a—it's already a one of a kind piece of art, uh, and but it's which is becoming more and more rare these days as comic books are produced because more and more artists are producing comic books digitally. 
they're doing their art on their computers and then they submit it that way there's not the physical you know uh, Brist, uh, Bristol board uh, piece of uh, art it, it's, it's the physical piece isn't there anymore or it's becoming less and less frequent uh, and it, Joe tells me uh, that the value of such pieces of original art has is going as blowing through the roof as well so this this article that just uh, showed up on uh, a, 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 a Facebook friend of mine didn't just show up a Facebook friend of mine shared it and it's a recent article in Forbes written by Rob uh, Salkowitz um, seeing the, the, the date June 23rd so it's a pretty recent one uh, 2021 and the headline of it is what the hell is going on in the collectible comics market so I'm gonna read a little bit to this of this to you. Let me see what's in hand. I gotta see what time, time I got left in the show. A couple minutes. Um, 2020 was a pretty good year for many investments, but one class of assets has seen nosebleed level growth that has shocked even longtime market watchers: vintage comics, comics, and original comic book art. Though there is no market index to quantify growth in this area, the results of large public auctions provide some transparency into the value that buyers place on a variety of benchmark items. On that basis, the evidence is stark. Last week, Heritage Auctions demolished records and shattered expectations with a $22.4 million haul from its recent sale of high-grade collectible comics, surpassing its recent high-water mark of $16.5 million set in April. The auction results were led by a, by a new pedigree collection called the Promise Collection, featuring nearly 5,000 comics that were bought new off the newsstands in the 1940s and preserved in perfect condition over the past 70 years. 180 of those books sold in, June, uh, in the June auction realized $7.1 million in just four hours. An additional 93 books added uh, $800,000 to that total the next day, and the remainder of the collection will be auctioned through uh, 2021 and 2022. A mid-grade, that's a 5.0 grade, copy of Detective Comics number 27, featuring the debut of Batman, sold for $1.125 million. Not a record, because higher-grade copies uh, go for more, but still a landmark. Uh, and one-of-a-kind works of original comic book uh, comic art continued their steep price increases with iconic pieces selling, uh, setting new highs in the upper six figures. Anecdotal reports from dealers and collectors suggest that, that prices in smaller auctions, public sales, and private transactions have increased well over 100% across the board in recent months, with some highly desired or unusual items seeing growth of magnitude higher. Facebook groups and private forums are overflowing with comments and of, of seasoned collectors expressing surprise, dismay, and occasionally delight at the skyrocketing prices of items that, until recently, were not seen as top-tier collectibles, raising fears that ordinary collectors could get priced out of the hobby. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I will link to it. Uh, you can read the rest of this article. Now, um, 
I have a, a, a piece of original comic book art. I have a page from Submariner number 72. That's the first series of Submariner. Uh, I think that issue came out in like 1974 or something like that. Uh, it's number 72. It's the last issue in that series. I have page number two uh, in there. All right. Now, the first page of that comic book, I was able to find that on that Heritage Auctions uh, uh, website. I was able to find that they had auctioned that page, which was drawn by Dan Atkins, and it was inked by Vince Coletta. Now, Dan Atkins was better known as an inker than the actual penciler, and it's, it's you know it's it's okay, you know it's it's, it's he's good, but he's, he, you can kind of tell why he did more inking than than drawing. But still, he did he did good work in that book, and um, that first page auctioned off in February 2019, uh, it fetched a price of $2,280. Now, I bought page two of that comic book, the original art. I bought it back in the mid to late 80s for $12. Now, I talked to Joe about this, and Joe said it was a completely different market in 2019. He says, your, your page could be worth a heck of a lot more than that. Now, I don't think it's going to be upwards of six figures. I don't think it'll probably be much more than four. I think it'll probably still be within four figures. But we, it'd be, I'd be pleased if it gets to five figures because I submitted a picture of it for a free appraisal from Heritage Auctions to see what might be possible. Uh, we'll, you know, just, to, just to see what kind of value uh, they would put on it. Um, but, uh, let's see, I gotta, I'm doing a couple things here and I shouldn't be doing these things while I'm doing the show. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so I talked to him about it. He said, you don't know what you, you, you don't know. It, it could be plenty. But the thing is, um, at the same time I had a chance to buy that comic book page the comic book store had another piece of original art that was done by an artist named John Byrne and it was you know and it was inked by Terry Austin and that is a very important team you know artist team up John Byrne and Terry Austin very important very big now it wasn't a title that could really be up to go huge up there well into the six figures it it be it wasn't like uh, the uncanny X Men that that John Byrne and Terry Austin worked on together. It wasn't the cover from that. It was a cover from a title called Marvel Two and One, and that was a series of comic books that had the character of the Thing from the Fantastic Four. He would team up with various other characters from the Marvel Comics universe, and in an issue or two, battling some bad guy. Well, this cover, uh, I forget the number of it. I'll I'll, I'll Put a picture on the show notes page. Is a picture of uh, of the thing being punched through a wall. He's coming out at the camera, as it were. Uh, he's being punched through a wall by this character named Thundra. Uh, she's just giving him the wallop and pushed out there. This comic book was was available for me to buy, and as I recall, the price was eighty five bucks, and I should have begged <laughs> my mom and dad, please. Give me the money. I won't take it allowance. I'll pay it back or whatever. I give me. I need. I want to get that page. If I had owned 
If I had owned uh, that page, if I had gotten it for 85 bucks, and I still had it today, uh, I might be able to sell it and pay for all of Hayden's College. Oh well. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. As it is, I might be able to pay for some books, <laughs> but uh, with the page that I've got. But anyway, um, uh, that's the end of another show. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Please get vaccinated when you can. You can listen to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, uh, I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning, tuning us in. in. What? 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 Well, well I'm going, I'm going to hell. hell.